Hey guys, just wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening to Sidebar Forever. If you like the show, please subscribe to us at SidebarForever.com as well as share episodes of the podcast on your social media. That way, new listeners can find us as well. After we recorded our recap of Marvel's Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we remembered we hadn't discussed recent comments made by writer and Winter Soldier creator Ed Brubaker. On episode 326 of the Fat Man Beyond podcast with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin, Brubaker reveals in candid detail his unease at seeing the success of the soldier on the big and small screens. Brubaker and his artist slash co-creator Steve Epting made those comics under work for hire, sure, but Ed also makes it clear that at the time, Marvel did not have its own movie studio, nor was it owned by Disney. And as to him and Steve being offered any kind of commensurate thank you money after the fact, Ed politely describes it as quote-unquote ungenerous. On today's episode of Sidebar Forever, we unpack Brubaker's points and try to put them in historical context with other comic book creators who have been paid short shrift. Comics history is literally and unfortunately strewn with the corpses of writers and artists who have had characters that they created be repurposed by Marvel and DC for animation, live action TV, and feature films. And while the big two have been known to offer creative participation to some, that certainly has not been the case for all. I'm Adrian Johnson. Today, it's Dwight, Swain, and myself writing comic book wrongs like Neil Adams in the 1970s as we chop up the hashtag Pay Brew Baker and Epting. You know, you know, man. Some of that is like, some of that is like, it's work for hire. But at the same time, it's like, it's, ba- it's a basic. It shows a basic lack of understanding and giving a shit about about creators, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like we know you work, we know you work for hire and whatnot, yo. But the reality situation is, it's like they don't, they don't give a damn, man. It's like this is this is a product. You made the product. It's like this. You, you work back, you work, you work back on the on the burger board. You put the hamburger together, the cheeseburger. You know what I'm saying? Maybe pretty, maybe like like maybe like the like the like the like the advertised piece and whatnot that we show in the, in the commercials, right? Mm-hmm. But you know what? You, you made that burger. You were, you're paid to make that burger. You get no you get no kudos for it, but a pat on the back and shut the hell up and keep going. But see, that's 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 part of the thing, though. And we'll get into it once we get into the actual conversation. But mm-hmm. you know, you think about. Um, you know, like for, like for McDonald's, for example. You know, the the franchisee way back in the uh, early '70s who developed the Big Mac. Right. You know, not not Croc, but one of the franchise owners in Pittsburgh or something. Right. Right. Yeah, he made he started making his own version and called it the Big Mac. You know, the format that it is now. And then the higher ups, corporate said, you know, that's a good idea. We need to just make that sandwich available. Company wide, right? You think he gets a royalty? His, does his family get a royalty? No, negative, negative. No, they're like, that's a good idea. Thanks. Next, you know, or on the wire, Swiss, you know, that <laughs> in the pit when they were having a conversation about them chicken nuggets, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you think they think the man who, who invented chicken nuggets, think, <laughs> you think he get broke off a check? No, right? That's a good idea. Thank you. We'll keep it moving. Yep. Yeah. Look, Wallace was like the motherfucker that made the chicken nuggets. 
That motherfucker was a genius. He probably the richest person on the planet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Taking all the bone, the bone out of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Oh man. I mean, in the immortal words of, of Jack Kirby, man, comics will break your heart, yo. That's just the reality, you know. Yeah. Uh, what was it? What was it? You said a long time ago, man. Anything that make you laugh, make you cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, That's man. right. Comic book writer Ed Brubaker uh, appeared on the Fat Man Beyond podcast, episode number 326, with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin. And uh, and they were talking to him about, you know, the television show The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And, you know, and Mark and Kevin are, you know, super excited about the show because they both love it. And uh, Ed talked about how he created the character of the Winter Soldier. and But mm-hmm. Ed also went into great detail, kind of lamenting, in in a in a professional and polite way, I would say, uh, you know his his kind of misgivings and his unease about seeing the immense success of you know James Buchanan Barnes, aka now the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, seeing that character go to the big and small screens, and how little thanks in the form of financial restitution or some kind of you know compensation. You know, that he and uh, his co-creator, Steve Epting, have seen as a result. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, Ed, you know, he, I think he handled it in a way where he owned up to the fact that, you know, he and Epting were working under a work-for-hire agreement, which basically, you know, well, one, they didn't create Bucky Barnes as the character. Right. And two, working under work-for-hire, you know, basically anything that you create you know, becomes the ownership of, you know, of the person that um, that you're working for. But he did use the word, you know, he said he said that uh, that Marvel Studios and, and or Disney, you know, they have offered him a, you know, like a thank you, kind of like a thank you money. And he said, you know, he's described it as is very ungenerous. Like a pittance, he said, you know, it's what a TV writer would make in about two or three weeks of uh of working on a on a let's say a network television show, and I know for a fact that a baby TV writer working on a network television show makes makes between probably two and four grand a week. So you're probably talking maybe ten or twelve thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, uh, Brew Baker, like I said, I think he pretty fairly owned up to the fact that he knew what he was walking into when he got there. But if you're going to say thank you for helping create a character that's appeared in four feature films, they have merch, you know, it's, there's a TV show, it's a hit TV show, you know, Brubaker talked about, you know, kids come to his house on Halloween and, and trick-or-treating as the Winter Soldier. If you're going to say thank you, say legitimate, legitimately say thank you, you know, mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, it ends up being... You know, it's it's a pittance. It's almost it's almost an insult. But right. uh, both you guys, both you guys, listen to the uh, the podcast interview with uh, with Mark and uh, and Kevin. Mm-hmm. What what were your initial thoughts after finishing it? I think Adrian, you probably heard it the freshest of us all. I think D and I had heard it a, few, a week or two ago. But what did you think, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I listened to it yesterday, and you know, <clears throat> it's one of those things where. I think some type of some type of 
you know, um, compensation is due, you know, just in regards to how um, within the last four or five decades that's changed, you know, since the 70s, you know, so to speak, you know, once you had this new new uh, crop of creators coming in and they were just a bit, just a bit, not not really savvy about, you know, the business side, but they did. They were asking, well, hey, what about royalties? Hey, what about this? You know what I'm saying? as they were getting installed at Marvel in the early 80s by Shooter, you know? Mm -hmm. But as far as, like, you know, compensation for use of past characters, I feel like that that is something... (sighs) Because, again, it is work for hire. So underneath that, you know, you do have a situation to where, well, you were working for us. You did create this character. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's really up to us as a company if we want to acknowledge, if we want to compensate you or not. You know what I'm saying? Right. And there's, but there, there are other, there are other um, creators who have done the same thing, you know, and maybe almost forgot about it. You know, even if it was featured in a film, or either dead or they're dead. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. And, um, <clears throat> but I don't know. I mean, listening to him, I get, I get the point that he's saying, you know, because if, if he hadn't created that storyline, yes, he did not create Bucky Barnes, you know, mm-hmm. Brubaker. Mm-hmm. But he did create the iteration of that character, the evolution of that character that made the rest of this other media possible and has gone on to help contribute to a multi-billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry, mm-hmm. you know, for Marvel Studios and mm-hmm. for Marvel Comics proper. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those paperbacks are still flying off the shelves from what I hear. Even more so now with the TV show, right? So yeah, so I mean, as a character, that is at an all-time high. The Winter Soldier, and yeah, now it really does seem like yeah, Marvel really should be ashamed of themselves, you know, with that. But in other iterations, it's like you know, sometimes it's like, well, it was work for hire. So it's a it's a gray area, man. What what, what do you think, D? What did you think? It's definitely worth a higher. There should be a tilting point at some point where, once you get, once you get, to, once you get past a certain level of, of of profit, you should automatically kick into some kind of extra innings as far as uh, what the uh, what the what the company will give you. And that's 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 a fault with work for hire contract. And, and I think now going forward, anybody that's going to be doing things for Marvel, anybody else that that sees the potential for um, the outcome. We'll definitely re-examine their contracts again. Definitely, I think it'll be behoove Marvel and other companies like them to address the issue of 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 of, of finances that are, are being given to their creators. Because nobody more than work, nobody wants to work for a company that's not going to give them the necessary the necessary um, uh, penance or necessary kind of um, financial um, reality. I mean, it's just it's not. I mean, I mean, obviously, you know. He built a career off of this, and his, his the success of his ability to to sell the Winter Soldier as a character led him to greater and, and higher heights in his own personal career as far as being able to right. you know, do other things. Right. Um, so, that, and that was part of his part of his commentary that I liked too. He wasn't he was he was ungrateful himself. He realized his role, but at the same time, he, same time he wished that that uh, Marvel had saw had saw better of their way of of of. of Giving him and other creators like him um, the kind of kind of uh, financial um, uh, endowment that they, they, really, they so much deserve, you know. Mm. Um, you know, it's a slippery slope, man. It's like um, 
you know, he didn't he didn't reinvent Bucky. He didn't invent Bucky, but he, but he reinvigorated Bucky. I mean, Bucky was boring. You know, let's be I'm quite frank with you. Bucky was boring. I mean, he was a little sidekick in the in the in the in the in the, in the forties, fifties, sixties. Got his ass kicked and blew up. You know, that's what it was. And and the fact that he brought him back in a relevant manner, which made him relevant today. And I have to say this, man. Even now, in the in the COVID generation. The mask that the Winter Soldier was wearing in the movie—I caught that, yo, yeah. You know, <laughs> that 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 was that was like that that was like like some some pre you know prophetic destined pre your prophetic stuff that was going on. <laughs> so I'm like, I want even that. I mean, now even now, I mean, you you can get a Winter Soldier costume you and 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 wear that, and I'm, I'm sure sure Bruce Baker has flashbacks of that as well. I'm like, damn, you know, all this is like making me see Bucky everywhere. You can see Winter Soldier everywhere, man. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to say feel sorry for him because I don't feel sorry for him. I, I don't think he wants anybody to feel sorry for him either, you know. But I will say that I think it's just a, it's, it's a sad practice that creators aren't given what they should be given um, in terms of knowing where this could go as far as IP usage goes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and really what we're talking about is, you know, you've got Marvel Comics over here and then you've got Marvel Studios over here and then you've got Disney over there. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the, I don't know what the chain of command is in terms of who, who commands the license and who issues payment for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what happens in the comics is a separate entity from what happens in the movies, etc. But to both of your points about it's work for hire, and I, and I agree with you because I, I, and I agree, I think, you know, again, Brubaker, you know, he, he made that plain several times. It was work for hire. You know, I knew this going in. Of course, he knew about, you know, Siegel and Schuster and Marv Wolfman mm-hmm. and, you know, and uh, Jerry, Con- you know, yeah, of course. Yeah, he knew about all of those things. But, you know, he did say in the interview with Kevin and, and Mark that at the time when he created this character, Marvel didn't have its own studio. And Marvel was not owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. So maybe that would have changed his, you know, his desire or his you know, his eagerness to kind of give this character away by throwing it into, in, you know, into Marvel's pages, you know, in the pages of Marvel's mm-hmm. comics and Captain America. He may not have done that, you know, with this knowledge ahead of time. Now, granted, it still doesn't mean anything because at, in 2005, when, when the Winter Soldier first appeared in Captain America number one, you know, there were two X-Men movies out. There were at least two Blade movies out at the time. Yeah. And so there were super successful characters from the comic books that were making the leap onto the big screen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it could have been just as easy. Marvel could not have created its own studio and could have licensed Captain America and the Winter Soldier to Paramount or to Universal or Fox or whomever. Mm-hmm. And it could have blown up that way. And that was mm-hmm. evident for him to see even then. So that kind of weakens his argument as far as you know the fact of you know what the state was prior to him creating the winter soldier and letting marvel you know publish it versus you know what ha- what would have happened if you know if he had if he had um you know if he had done so under the umbrella of disney and under the umbrella of marvel studios as well so um so i'm not i'm not exactly sure if, if that part of the argument really holds water but i mean this is a decades-long uh, situation that's been going on with creators, you know, as far as, right. you know, creating things, and then they, they move on to other media, animation, live-action right. TV, you know, feature films, etc. But um, another thing, I guess, that, that Brubaker mentioned that I thought was interesting was um, 
you know, she's talking about all of the other things. And, and it kind of ties into that article I sent you guys, that cracked article, uh, the, the Grim Reality of Superhero Movies for Comic, comic Creators, um, right. <clears throat> where, you know, Brubaker was talking about going to the premiere and, you know, he's supposed to be on the list. He's not on the list. And he's, he, you know, it's Kevin Feige says, oh, yeah, yeah, you're on my list. You're on my list. And then when he gets there, he's not on the list. And they, he and Steve Epting had to text Sebastian Stan, who they'd made friends with. Right. And Sebastian Stan got them in. See, that see that that kind of that kind of arrogant, ignorant Hollywood shit right there will get you fucked up when I meet you. I mean, but it can, it can happen as an accident. I mean, you know, Kevin Feige is depending mm-hmm. on assistance, and assistants, you know, are like, man, fuck these comic book motherfuckers. I'm trying to get up in this business. They can't help okay. me, so why do I care about them? I want to help people who can help me. I mean, that's what that's the reality right. of what's going on. I guess, man, it's 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 unacceptable bookkeeping to me, man. Like you, you, had, you. Had, I looked to assistant. You had one job. Yes, yes, yes. You, you, yes. Had, you had one job, you know, and, and you you didn't do the bare essentials of what was necessary to maintain that job, and you're 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 gone, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I don't mean to be so like like so so um draconian about it, but at the same time, it's like, dude, you know, if if you're an assistant to to Kevin Feige, whoever the case may be, you 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 should know who the people are, who are the players in terms of who's who made who made, who made this game possible, you know. No, not yeah. really. No. Yeah, but that's the thing. No. Steve Epting and Ed Brubaker are not players. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, at this stage, even though Epting, you know, I mean, even though uh, excuse me, and even though Brubaker, you know, he's written for Westworld and 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 uh and he's done other things right. in Hollywood. He's he's not a name. He's not a power broker. He's not I, I he's not it. a player with a capital P. He's I get it. But I mean it's like but no no you're no you're no, no it's like this, man. Like okay. There are certain movies that have been written or or certain movies that, that have been written that are, are versions of Shakespeare of Shakespeare Shakespearean plays and Shakespearean uh, books, right? Mm-hmm. They always give they always give credit to Shakespeare based on how that works. So it's it's up to that person that's that's going to be the assistant of that person that's that's helping out. To know that this is a, a deviation of Shakespeare's book. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care though. Shakespeare's right. a name. Right. Everybody knows Shakespeare. Right. Don't not not everybody knows. <laughs> right. Epting Nobody knows who Ed Brubaker is or Steve right, Epstein. Right. You right, know, right. except us. Right. You right, know, right, right. people right. like us. Right. You know. I think I think your point, D, is you you're probably coming from the perspective of somebody who's a fan of this stuff. So you want the people who create this stuff to be treated with a certain level of respect. But they're moving from a small pond into a larger pond with bigger fish, and those bigger fish don't give a fuck about these minnows over here. They don't care. Right. You don't affect my world. You have very little effect on my ecosystem. Just stay the fuck out of my way, you know, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's that's probably it. I mean, I, I guess it's just I, I would hope that people do more research than that, and, and uh, you know, but I guess obviously it doesn't, it doesn't prove out that that's the case in most cases based on how things went. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, the Winter Soldier first appeared in Captain America number one in two thousand and five, and his first appearance in the MCU was in Captain America: The Winter Soldier in two thousand fourteen, and I, that surprised me. It didn't seem like it was that little time ago that the character. Mm. That we first saw the the Winter Soldier, it was seven years ago. Hmm. It feels like ten years ago, you know, in, inside. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was only seven years ago. But he's appeared also in Civil War, Infinity War, mm-hmm. and Endgame, and then of course in his own series with, uh, you know, with Sam Wilson, the Falcon, and 
you know, streaming on Disney Plus. And oddly enough, Captain America: The Winter Soldier was the first appearance of the Falcon in the MCU as well. They both appeared in that same movie. That was the first time they showed up. On your left. Yep. Yep. Mm. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's pretty cool. But um, you know, to Dee's point, I was thinking about that too, and. You know, as far as the, uh, you know, what he, the, the word he mentioned, draconian, you know, in a business where IPs thrive, where you create things that are intellectual properties, work for high mm-hmm. agreements seem archaic, archaic and, and draconian in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand, especially when you're talking about you creating a character, you know, like sharing future mm-hmm. profits with creators would have to mean that people knowing that, that they can share, even if it's five or 10 percent or less, some portion of the profits later on, that they're going to bring their creative best to the table. They're going to bring their mm-hmm. best idea. They're going to be encouraged to bring their best ideas to the table. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it takes mm-hmm. me back to um, the conversation that Adrian and I had on the podcast talking about writer-artists. Mm-hmm. What if Marvel was fairer and Robert Kirkman had brought Invincible and The Walking Dead to Marvel or DC? Wow. What if, you yeah. know, James Heron had brought Ultra Mega to Marvel or DC? Or, or anything else that's, that's a huge hit in the, as far as indie spaces. What if, um, what if Latour, Hellboy, what if Latour, what if Hellboy, what if Latour, Mignola, um, if Jason Aaron had brought Southern Bastards to Marvel and DC because they could get a fair deal? You know, they could get royalties and, and get wider distribution. This character could blow up ten times as big as it is. These stories, these uh, titles could blow up ten times as big as they were if they, you know, if they didn't walk in and say, okay, well, if you write this 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 comic for us, you're going to give it away, you know. Yeah, but it almost seems like if you come into their house, though, you know what I'm saying, you, you're inviting yourself to have to abide by the house rules, even though you created it outside of the house. Once you get it, step your foot in that door. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, well, go no. Ahead. The point I'm making is, is if their practices were different, there wouldn't necessarily it be a need yeah. to only go to Image or to only go to another independent publisher for their pro- their properties. If what if if Robert Kirkman created Invincible and The Walking Dead and knew he could take it to Marvel and Marvel had a division where hey, if you bring this to us fully fully formed and flushed out. And we think it's worth it. You can participate in the profits on this all the way into other media, all this other stuff. What if that was their practice is my point. Okay. I get you on that. And but and whether you, well, yeah, excuse me, I get your point. And whether we want to admit it or not, that was the case in a sense for Rob Liefeld, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had a podcast on for like the past year or more. And um, he talked about his situation on there with uh, Daredevil, not Daredevil, <laughs> Deadpool, Cable, and uh, and a lot of other things that he created while he was there. And he says he recalls signing, and he was like about 21 or 22 years old back in 89, 90. Uh, Marvel offered him a contract, you know, for future participation on anything that he created. So... Mm-hmm. Even at that young age, he took it to mean like, hey, well, maybe if they're offering this to me, I should just try to create as much as I can. And if it blows up, that's great. If it doesn't, well, at least I still have just this modicum of participation. 
and it just so happens the things that he created blew up in a major way. I mean, we're talking about Deadpool, you know, star of two movies. New, like like a similar situation almost with uh, Winter Soldier as far as popularity. Mm-hmm. Numerous miniseries, numerous comics, appearances in film, cartoons, video games, and Liefeld said that he participates in all of it. Everything. He's, he's, breathing, he's, breathing, he's breathing, breathing rare air then because uh, so many other artists yeah. we're going to mention a little bit later don't do that. But to your point, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got a devil's advocate question for you guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it from a, from a corporate perspective now. Let's say we're doing a, we're doing a profit and loss, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how many, how many, how many matches do we, do we throw into the fire that actually light up and turn into what Wolverine did, turn into what Deadpool did, turn into what you know the Winter Soldier did? And how much time do we invest in those in those, in those various artists and storylines? Where we really reap a, reap, a, reap a real true benefit from it, because as we know right now, most comics are loss leaders, right? Right. Because they're not, they're not making a whole lot of money off those off the comics, off the pamphlets, off the, off the floppies. They may make more money <laughs> off the off the off the digests mm-hmm. and off the off the, the trades, but they're not making a whole lot of money off this thing. So that from a corporate perspective, corporate profit and loss perspective, looking at things, like okay, well, we can't afford to give you fanboys. I'm sorry, not that they don't say that to them, but we can't afford to give you you you, you artists. A fair share, which is bullshit and a lie, but that's their just that's their justification for not even offering a contract. It's going to give them a substantial, you know, substantial, uh, uh, you know, back end. You know, so I can see why they would do it because it doesn't make sense for them because it, you give everybody a contract that has that has that benefit built into it and, uh, and make the slightest bit of profit off of it, a slightest bit of profit margin off of it. They're going to want to get their money off of it and whatnot, which is fair. But we're talking about business. Business is not fair, and like you said so appropriately, Adrian, earlier. You walk into my house, it's my rules. Well, <laughs> you know, let's see, D. You, sign, you, you, can sign, you sign a contract and get the hell out, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. But, D, okay. I, would cha- I would challenge that by saying it doesn't have to be where you're giving away, you know, you're, you're giving away all your profits to these, you know, essentially mm-hmm. what are subcontractors who could move on and go to mm-hmm. another publisher tomorrow. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that way. You can set it up where... Mm-hmm. If I make money, you make money. If I make a dollar, mm-hmm. you make a dime. If I make a hundred dollars, mm-hmm. you make ten dollars. If yeah. I make a thousand dollars, you make a hundred dollars. So mm-hmm. you make money as long as I make money. If I don't make money, then you don't make money. Cause mm-hmm. so that's the point of in, of increasing someone's or enticing someone to say, Hey, bring your best ideas, bring all your creative energies forward, and let's see what mm-hmm. happens with this. If I make money, I'm certainly going to make most the most of the money because I'm taking most of the risk. Mm-hmm. But you will make money after the fact. Even with the situation mm-hmm. with Epting and uh, and Brubaker, you know, my thought has always been, you know, because it doesn't sound like Brubaker is saying, "Hey, you should give me a copyright for the Winter Soldier, and then I co-own the mm-hmm. Winter Soldier with Marvel." He never said that. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is, is the thank you money that they're offering him, he's calling it ungenerous. In other mm-hmm. words, if mm-hmm. let's say if someone saved someone's child, you know, from a burning car, pulled your car, your child out of a burning car, and as a thank you, mm-hmm. you bought him a cupcake. <laughs> what? Right, right, right. It's not commensurate to the act. So I think right. in this particular instance, and Brubrick even said this. He said, you know, what would be considered a generous offer? He didn't. He didn't say exactly these words. I'm paraphrasing the hell out of it. But what would be considered generous to he and Steve Epting would be considered like uh, an accounting error 
in Hollywood standards. Yeah. Oh shit, yeah. we spent a hundred thousand yeah. dollars on craft foods on this movie. Oh well. Right. Right. It's mm-hmm. nothing. It's nothing right. in the scope of a billion dollars. If they were to right. go to those guys and say, "Hey, look, we just wanted to give, we're going to give you both two hundred thousand dollars a piece as a thank you for this," is it going to make them rich? Not really. Is it going to set them up for retirement? Not really. But can they say they got nothing for it? They can't say that. At that point, they can't say that. It's significant enough to help them and to say, thank you for creating this thing that we are going to milk the fucking hell out of for as long as we can. Right. But it's not little enough where it's like, okay, well, goddamn, I feel insulted. And that's what he's basically saying. He, they feel insulted, or he feels insulted. Right. He's not speaking for Steve right. Epting. Right. So, you know, Brubaker didn't create Bucky Barnes, but he did create the Winter Soldier. And when you and I, right. when mm-hmm. you and I and D were talking about this in our text exchange prior to recording, you know, I was making the point that the Winter Soldier is greater than the sum of his parts prior to that. He's much mm-hmm. greater than mm-hmm. Bucky Barnes. I mean, I love Not Bucky. I love Bucky. I love Bucky with the ultimate TV show. I love him with the mask on and and the double and the red and blue with the double breasted coat on. The little tuxedo. I love that. I love it. But the Winter Soldier is much greater than his original parts. It's like the person who first said, um, "Let's take a chocolate bar and dip it in peanut butter and see what that tastes like." (laughs) That's some new shit. That's not peanut butter anymore. That's not chocolate anymore. Right. This is a Reese's cup. This is a whole right. new thing. Right. right. Or, or the person who, who created pizza who basically said, let's take uh, what's essentially pasta, cheese and sauce and some other stuff and some meat. Let's put it on, on, some, on some bread that's circular and then let's cut it in slices <laughs> and eat that shit. Right. That's a whole new motherfucker right there, that's, yo. That's true. <laughs> It's whole. It's a whole new thing. Nobody says, yeah. "Oh, pizza ain't nothing but no." You you cannot you cannot blaspheme pizza That's in true. the face of anybody That's who true. really loves some damn pizza. Yes. And to me, true. that's what the Winter Soldier is. It's like, no, nah, this is excellent. This is something right. different. The Spider Gwen is right. the same way. Created by Jason Latour and uh, Robbie Rodriguez and Rico Renzi. Mm. It's something greater <laughs> than Gwen Stacy. What's Stacy mm-hmm. wasn't shit. Hey, now, hey, hey, hey. Hey, man, she was the babe who got her neck broke. Okay, that's it. God damn. <laughs> God damn. Hey, man. Then <laughs> her like Wu-Tang torture. But right, I made right. you off the GW branch off of this motherfucker. Let me do a quick disclaimer there. Some of the views are supposed to be a sidebar not necessarily Go ahead. She was a girlfriend of Peter Parker. She was somebody that he pined after. She was yeah. a side character. Right. Okay. Jason side and Robbie and Rico <laughs> made her a real character. That character True. design is awesome. The colors are awesome. The ballet slippers are f- a fucking fantastic touch. Now she is yeah. somebody that I actually think about as a real 3D flesh-breathing character. And they made her that. Right. Doesn't matter if she came right. from Gwen Stacy. Spider-Gwen is something else. Right. And I hope they're getting paid for it. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But I hope that they are. Mm-hmm. Right. So anyway, that, that's just my opinion. What do you guys think? 
as far as as far as uh, Gwen Stacy goes, as far well, just the as idea Gwen that goes, you know, once you take something and you <clears throat> you you know you add other things to it, it does become something else. You know, if you take water and you mix it with tea or with uh, coffee beans, it becomes something else. It's not water anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there are numerous IPs like that. I would say are are, are very are very appropriate. Um, I mean, when when back in nineteen seventy seven or seventy eight, when when Christopher Reeve donned, you know, the, the famous Superman costume, you know, mm-hmm. he elevated that franchise and that character to a point to where you could believe a man could fly. And he gave it, uh, he gave it a sense of reality, he gave it a sense of personality that, that set it up for, for success for numerous generations afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 you know, in the right hands, um, characters change and they, they evolve. Um, and undoubtedly, I mean, yeah, I mean, Spider-Gwen's a good example. Um, the fact that um, John Byrne helped write the first crystallization of, of Hellboy was a good example. Um, maybe not a good example, but it's an idea of what a, a, a real writer can do in terms of, or a person that has creative verve can do. Not saying Mignola is a, not a real writer because he is. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I totally agree, man. I think you, you can, and they should be paid for that, man. There's, 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 when you when you take something that was stagnant and not going anywhere anytime fast, and you revitalize it with a sense of of, of earnestness and interest, there's a cost for that. There should be a cost for that. There should, there should be there should be a stipend which is a, appropriate to the level which you magnified it. I was going to say that's all. That's almost similar in other industries, or at least it used to be, to where if you were a salesperson, right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you elevated sales within your division or within mm-hmm. the company to mm-hmm. such a level mm-hmm. that the company would recognize that mm-hmm. they would say, in honor of the White Clark selling this many whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We want to give you this gold plaque, this gold watch, this stipend. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In most other industries, the employees who, you know, do something to for the, to uh, contribute to the company's success mm-hmm. in a line. major way right. are, are compensated, exactly. you know? Exactly, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's only within, like, the creative field mm-hmm. where that's not the case or that's right. not often the case, you know what right. I'm saying? Because I think at the base of it, mm-hmm. people still, in some ways, think of like creativity as just like this magic that happens. Right. It just comes from somewhere because you can't put right. your finger on it, because you can't bottle it up. Right. It's not tactile. It's not tangible. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So since it's not tangible, since I can't quantify it except by what you create and how much success and financial gain we have off of that creation mm-hmm. they they just discount it mm-hmm. literally yeah you know yeah. what i'm saying so the yeah, contributions that are made from that creativity the companies don't care yeah. you know you might create yeah. like a, a excellent character that works on paper right. but if it's not contributing to sales of issues or paperbacks or right. you know contributing to ticket sales you know films or video right. games or whatnot right. they're like they don't care yeah you know yeah. Yeah, because yeah. They're, they're they're crunching numbers, man. That's what bottom line. The bottom line is, you, and, that, and that's that's what that's what it should be for a business. I mean, businesses aren't businesses aren't, aren't evil. They they aren't they they're 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 um they're a constant a constant existing organism that needs to be fed, you know. And they're like Galactus. They have to be they, they their needs their needs must be met, you know. And they, they don't care who go who falls by the side wayside or who who loses. It's just you're part of the process, and in that process 
you either contribute or you don't contribute. If you contribute, we give you a little bit of we give you a little bit of of of, of adulation, a little bit of uh, recognition, but it may not be monetarily. You know, I mean, the fact that you know, and some of the other examples you guys are going to mention pretty soon, um, they can get any, they can even get any, any kind of even kind of basic byline, any kind of mention in, in, the, in the in the movies at all. It's like wow. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know. Yes. Yeah. This is reckless. It's reckless and, and careless. It just it just shows, man. Like you said, Adrian, it shows the basic, the basic misunderstanding of what creators truly, really, really, truly create and what they contribute to situations. You know, and how can you value something that's intangible? I mean, it's annoying to hear somebody say, "You well, you create. You, you're you're an artist, right? So draw something." I mean, huh? Mm-hmm. Or 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 um, you would do this either way because you're creative, right? So why not just do it for me for free? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know? to to Adrian's point about creativity and the respect that it's either given or not given, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a muscle like anything else. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's something that you develop. It's like you know, I used to hear comedians and they used to talk about, oh, so and so is funny. This person's funny. This person's not funny. And they don't just mean like they can crack a funny joke. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was either Guy Torres or what's his brother's name, Joe Torres. Uh, Joe. One of them said, yeah. you know, a stand-up comic, you know, says funny things, but a comedian mm. makes things funny. Right. Yeah. And that's the difference. And it's the same thing with creativity. I'll give a real-life example. When Dwight and I were first starting uh, Sidebar, and I was, I was working on, like, you know, like music to, to use as the intro and the outro, right? Mm-hmm. And then Dwight was like, well, you know, okay, well, let me, you know, Go ahead and start. I was working on some stuff, and you know, how's it coming? And he he was checking in on me, and I was like, well, it's, it's probably gonna be, you know, a month or two before I have anything that's worth listening to. He's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, okay, my muscles were, at the time, I hadn't made any music in a long time, so I was like, the first fifty ideas are gonna be shit. Mm-hmm. I've got to exercise my creative muscles. I've got to break my ear open where I can really hear. I've got to get my instincts back in terms of, oh, let me do this and that. Let me change the tempo. Let me do whatever. It took time to get to something that was even what I would consider to be decent, where I could say, okay, I at least won't be embarrassed if I let him hear this. But it's the same way. It's the same way, like, you know, we see, you know, there are artists that we're friends with and that we uh, we follow online. You know, sometimes they'll post like, oh, I sketched this, you know, I was drinking my coffee this morning. It's like, okay, you're going to draw for eight or nine or ten hours Later today, why are you drawing while you're sketching? It's to warm up. It's to warm mm-hmm. up. It's to get, you know, get mm-hmm. those, get loose and get limber and to get the juices flowing. And it takes time to do mm-hmm. that. <clears throat> you know, I mean, you could probably pull a creative muscle if you're not careful, you know, just like a work, a person working out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, re- repeat, repeat the same task on over again, man. It, it can be rep- repetition while it was good and it leads to success. In some instances, it also leads to boredom. So you got to be really careful about how much you do the wrong way or how much you do something to the point where you get tired and exhausted, you know? Yeah. Because once you get to the point of exhaustion, there's no turning back from exhaustion. You just start doing, you know, stuff that's not, not good enough for anybody at that point. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and not to, you know, act like, you know, Ed Brubaker, and we haven't done that, but not to, you know, to speak about Ed Brubaker and really Steve Epting, but certainly Brubaker as if he is – a pauper who is, you know, on his last whatever, you know, as mentioned, you know, he's a terrific comic book writer today. You know, he works in Hollywood as a screenwriter. You know, he was a part of the, uh, the Westworld, uh, writing room 
for at least one season. Right. I'm not sure, maybe longer than that. But, you know, he still writes, you know, comics. Now he writes comics that he owns, like Criminal and Pulp and Fatal. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he worked in commercial mm -hmm. comics for years and did, like, Gotham Central at D.C. And then uh, did a great run on Daredevil and, of course, Captain America, mm -hmm. you know, for Marvel. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and while he was working on, you know, Captain America, you know, with uh, Steve Epting, they created, you know, the Winter Soldier and, you know, and, and that brings us to where we are now. But um, we were kind of, you know, knocking about uh, amongst ourselves, you know, the names of some other creators who mm -hmm. have kind of gotten stuck over the years. And some of them have really spoken mm -hmm. up and have have litigated and, 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 and sued, you know, Marvel and DC, et cetera. And and, and some of them have, you know, have, have gone really gone to the, uh, you know, to the media and to social media. You know, as a way to kind of, you know, kind of plead their case. But I wanted to talk about some of them because really and truly, like, you know, for anybody who's working in commercial comics under a, quote, work for hire arrangement and doesn't get any compensation for, you know, for the, the stories that they create. And that's kind of the other part of it, too. You know, we're talking about characters that were created, but, you know, Claremont and Byrne created the storyline that essentially became a Wolverine movie and didn't even get a thank you. You know, didn't get a created by or special thanks, nothing. You know, Brubaker talks about, you know, the origin of the Winter Soldier and a storyline about the, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the Winter Soldier training, you know, other super soldiers. You know, that was a B-plot in the movie, but that was something that he created in the comics. You know, and there are other examples of it, too, you know, where we see it certainly in animation where they'll take the comics whole hog and redo, you know, redo the story in animation. You know, that happened in Batman, the animated series and, you know, and probably in Superman and Justice League as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, probably the most famous examples. Um, you know, they created Superman and only got money. What? After they started making a stink and after Neil Adams, you know, started making a stink on their behalf. Yeah. 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 Um, Bill Finger, you know, mm -hmm. he worked as essentially like a ghost writer and a ghost artist for, uh, for Bob Kane. Uh, just a uh, ghost writer. Okay. You know, and, and he contributed many of the elements that we know as, you know, um, totally Batman, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then Bill Fingers ended up taking all of it. And soon after he started using ghost artists and then just signing his name to it, you mm -hmm. know, you mean Bob Kane? Bob Kane, I'm sorry, yes. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. Um, Joker, Joker. Joker, Joker, yeah. Um, Dave Cockrum, and, and Dwight and I have a, a particular story to tell about Dave Cockrum. Uh, you yeah. know, for younger fans who aren't aware, Dave Cockrum is the guy who basically co-created the new X-Men. You know, the X-Men mm -hmm. that exist today, they were all birthed by he and uh, Lynn Wing. Lynn Wing? Yeah, yeah Lynn Wing. But he co-created the X-Men characters. He co-created Black Cat. Uh, a lot of his costume designs actually were used in Legion of Superheroes, That's right. which he uh, which he he worked on for a while while he's at DC. But uh, Dwight, we, you and I attended a Heroes Con. Yeah, this must have been twenty years was, ago. Was it twenty years ago? Was man? it that long? No, bro. No, maybe maybe fifteen, maybe sixteen, but we're close, coming close. You know, we're kind of you know. Not playing like numeric games and things like that. He was super close to you that around that time. You're right, and and you know he he was there, man. And uh, I gotta say this, man. At the time, 
you know, he was he was he was, he was writing off some relatively relative success for the Futurians, mm-hmm. you know, which was which was like really is his last true innovative costume design. And this guy had a this guy had a design aesthetic, man, for for costumes that were like was beyond beyond his years, man. He would take a old, old raggedy ass concepts, man, and reinvent them and put the right lines in the right place. And they would tell the story, like of the character, without even like truly even having the character speak or write or or to speak in the in bubbles or, or say anything at all. Just to, just I mean, the the the, gra- the, the grandeur of Colossus, dude. The first time I saw him come to, come out of the page, dude. Next one, uh, come on, come on, man. Yeah. Come on, Colossus, yo, yeah. come out. That shit. Was- <laughs> it was the truth, yo. It was. It, it was the truth, man. Wolverine running, man. The, you know, uh, Nightcrawler. Well, Nightcrawler was my favorite character design, dude, back then. It was between, it was between the Russian, you know, Colossus, you know, or, and, and Kurt Wagner. Kurt Wagner, as I called him back then, before I got educated. Um, the, the Nightcrawler. And to see him, man, in that, that predicament, man, looking like, looking like, uh, uh, Born on the Fourth of July, man, looking looking like looking like a, an old Vietnam vet with with with, with scraggly hair, man, and just sitting in his wheelchair, man. It was heartbreaking, you know. Yeah, really heartbreaking. And and I, and I and I think I might have had an idea to bring, get some comics for him to sign, dude. I think I just kind of I might just turn him walk the other way, dude. Basically, no, I, I couldn't. You did, you did. We were there together, and I remember you were like, yeah, like we saw him, and we were like, that's Dave Cockerman. man. He had this long gray scraggly hair. In this green kind of army jacket on, and he was in a wheelchair. He was wheelchair bound at the time, and he was drawing and sketching. And I remember Dwight. Came, I was doing something, and Dwight came over to me, man. He had his head down. He was like, "Man, I can't even look at this dude, man." He's like, "This is terrible, man. This is, this is shameful. I feel, I feel ashamed." Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. that was that was your that was your emotional state at the time. And I remember like looking. I was like, "Yeah, you're right, yo. This is." Like Adrian said, this is like some fourth of, born on the Fourth of July, you know, type shit. Where it's like, right? Ugh. I mean, it just yeah. it made me yeah. feel horrible. Mm. And I want to say at yeah. the time, the X Men movies were out. So we started the podcast in two thousand seven. This hero con, mm-hmm. Heroes Con was before two thousand seven, and I know mm-hmm. by two thousand seven, at least two X Men movies were out at the time. Oh yeah. Oh. So yeah. Mm-hmm. it was it was bad, but um. Of course, famously, Alan Moore, you know, um, and it's kind of a funny story for him because, you know, the Watchmen are essentially ripoffs of the Charlton characters. Right. So it's like, okay, but I mean, cosmetically, at least cosmetically, cosmetically, he, he certainly made them, he imbued them with, you know, everything that we love. But, you know, he had an arrangement with DC where DC would publish Watchmen for essentially a limited amount of time or a period of time. And then the license mm-hmm. would turn back over to he and his uh, his collaborator, um, Dave Gibbons. Dave Gibbons, yeah. And DC just kept printing the books, which kept the license in place or kept the ownership of the characters in place and just kept printing the books. And, you know, and then they wait and then they keep printing them and they keep printing them and then they would just keep printing them. And they would print them some more. And then we thought they were done. They would start printing them again. And they would just keep printing them. And he said, okay, since you fucked me out of my characters, I'm never going to work for you again. Now, granted, let's just be honest. Let's just, let's just be honest. Let's just go ahead and say it like it is. Okay. The greatest shit that Alan Moore is ever going to create has been created. I don't know. This, this is not. This is it, dog. I don't know, man. He's never gonna. He's never gonna trump V for Vendetta. He's never gonna trump Miracle Man, 
or Marvel Man, excuse me. He's never going to trump Watchmen. He's never going to trump Le League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He's never going to trump Prometheus. He's never, never. He, I mean, I mean, seriously, I don't know, D. He, he's, they, he's the goat for a reason, man. Right, right, right. No, he is, man. He is, man. But, but my, my, th my thing is this, man. I, I, I mean, I, we, the, the last thing you said was never going to trump Prometheus. I mean, Prometheus, to me, Prometheus had the potential to me to be as great as any of those other ones that you mentioned before. They, they, they got a lot of, got a lot of praise for. Prometheus was a, Prometheus was a fantastic series, man. Absolutely fantastic series. And, and, you know, especially in today's climate of, 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 of Me Too movement and empowerment and things of that nature, way ahead of his time, like, like his other stories, you know? I mean, when I, when I first became hip to Hallam Moore, it was, it was in, a, it was in a, the, the, um... Warrior Magazine? No, so, oh, well, okay. well I, I started I started going back after that. Like I, I but okay. I was I was first hip to him in um, in, in Swamp Thing, you know, with the anatomy, the, the anatomy lesson. And when I read that man, that blurb, he had an anatomy lesson where he was talking about about uh, him, him, something's in, something's in the water, watching, waiting, one those. I was like, what the hell is this? Yes, man? yo, yeah. What the hell is yeah. this? So then, yes, yeah, so then after 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 reading the Swamp Thing, because they, they were just floppies back then. I, I would go to the store. Go to go to Oxford Bookstore, Floppies. and I and I would yeah, I feel comfortable with the term now. Yeah, it works. Um, but I would, I would go to the store, and I would go looking in and and in the war in the comic section. I would look through those those, those beautiful Warrior magazines that are of British origin. I'm like, wait a minute, so wait a minute, who's this? Alan Moore's in here too. Wait a minute, yeah, he did this, he did he did that, and he even has pseudonyms, which you still do, you still you do like you do like three different series, man. Like, um, I think a Laser Racer. Laser Eraser and Axel Press Button were actually done under a pseudonym that he actually made up too. You know, see, a lot of different things he would do. And uh, phenomenal, man. Phenom a phenomenal writer. Um, and yeah, but basically back to what we're talking about. Yeah, he, he was definitely ganked out of, out of, out of, out of his stuff. I mean, <laughs> the gang but, he, but he was, but, 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 he, but, he, but, he, but he was, but he was defiant though. See, what, what makes, what makes this less, what makes this less painful is the fact he defiantly keeps creating and he defiantly keeps giving the middle finger. You know, and and I I can appreciate that as a creator that keeps moving on, and I don't want anything from you. Don't don't even mention my name. You know, for any any future references whatsoever at all, take my name off that shit. Give it all give it all to Dave. I don't want any of that shit. Yeah, and I respect the hell out of that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's so. he's definitely crazy because he believes in magic, but right. <laughs> he's definitely a person of principle. I like to love his spoonful. <laughs> <laughs> you believe in magic in a young girl's heart. Amen. 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 Like, 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 like my man said, man. Uh, it's a kind of magic. Yeah, yeah. But it's a kind of magic. He's a person of principle. <laughs> One dream. For two reasons. One, yeah. he didn't want to have anything to do with you. Take my name off of it, and I don't want your money. Right. But he's also right. been a, a person of principle because he doesn't begrudge the artists that he worked with. He's like, give them the money. Right, right. He, he recognizes right. that they did a lot of heavy lifting. So he's, he's, mm -hmm. he doesn't begrudge, you know, David Lloyd for V for Vendetta. He doesn't begrudge mm -hmm. Dave Gibbons for, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for, um, for Watchmen. Or uh, yeah. what's the fellow who drew uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Kevin O'Neill. Kevin O'Neill, yeah. You know, he doesn't begrudge any of them. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. But, um, and then also probably the most tragic example of like, wow. You know, if there was ever someone who could have used, 
a fair shake from a company that was making millions of dollars, perhaps billions of dollars off of things that he created is uh, Bill Mantlo. Bill Mantlo is responsible for the fact that, and so I'm reading from the article from Cracked, uh, written by uh, Maxi. This is uh, uh, Bill Mantlo is responsible for the fact that the MCU has a talking space raccoon in it, thus accounting for 83% of its coolness. Unfortunately, Mantlo was left with brain damage after a hit and run accident, and his brother had to wreck his finances in order to keep Mantlo alive. Marvel Studios began helping them out when the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie came out, probably for PR. That's just my insertion. But by 2019, the Mantlos were forced to turn to GoFundMe in order to survive. Again, Marvel stepped up, but let's not kid ourselves, the article says. Like with Starlin and the rest, none of this would have happened if someone hadn't gone to the media and made the big corporate giant look like a giant cheapskate. That's essentially what Neil Adams did for Siegel and Schuster. Exactly. But what's, what's crazy with that, you know, piggybacking off of that, um, Swiss, is how they tried to do that for Kirby, but Kirby still ended up getting a raw deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, under Shooter, you know, Jim Shooter, mm-hmm. you know, he campaigned to get his artwork back. Hey, can I get a credit for this? And Shooter said, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. We'll, we'll start giving you some of your artwork back. That dude, that dude, that that man drew tens of thousands of pages and only got back a small fraction, mm-hmm. an infinitesimal fraction of them. Mm-hmm. What happened to all the other pages? Mm-hmm. Well, you're seeing them on sale elsewhere, you know, on all these various art sites. How did that get out there? Right. And then, not to mention his, uh, him having a hand in creating the modern Marvel universe. Yeah. Right. There's so much that he had a strong, strong hand in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just, uh, and, and and he wasn't able to participate in any of that. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, back in the late 70s, I think for, um, which which company? Well, I think it was Filmation or somebody like that that was, Hanna-Barbera or someone like that that was producing yeah. like the actual Fantastic Four cartoons. Right, right, right. Where they put in Herbie the Robot. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. He had he had a hand in that, but they didn't even mention him on the cartoons. Wow. Even though he's in the background doing character designs for it. Yeah, and didn't didn't he ever I mean I want I know that I know Alex Toth did did um Alex Toth did a lot of designs for uh, Super Friends, Johnny Quest. Like Super Friends. Uh, uh, but but the one he's referring to in terms of there was there was another character I really liked it was um Thunder the Barbarian. Yes, and Kirby worked on that as well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he was he was in the credits on that, but you know he didn't create Thundar, you know what I'm saying. But he worked on conceptual stuff. But right. you know they think of the rest of the mainstream Marvel universe that was birthed from a combination of Stan Lee and him. You know, in some cases, Jack would draw the story, and you know Lee didn't know beforehand. He just told him, "Oh, we just need a um, villain for this. We need a character for this." You know, to fill in and Jack would come in with a fully fleshed out, you know, visual story for him that Lee had to put the words to. Right. So in some cases, like Kirby whole cloth created some of this stuff. It's, it's almost, you know, it's almost reminds me of from a, a strange uh, metaphor. It reminds me of pantomiming. Right. So it's almost like 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 Kirby was doing the motions and, and, and moving around and, and making all these things possible in terms of telling the story. And then all of a sudden here comes. Stan Lee, I put words to that. So, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, without 
the structure of the story, and you guys mentioned this in the, in the last podcast that you did together, which is interesting and good too. You know, without the structure of, of, of the visuals being in place, there is no comic book. You know, it's just words on a page. And, 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 to, and to belie, like, the, 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 the immensity of this guy's, this guy's ability and, and, and power and significance. And any other, any other, any other visual artist that, that, that approaches the medium. Is you're 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 selling you're selling the medium short and you're selling the, the people who are putting the stuff together short too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I, as I find it extremely offensive, offensive man, it pisses me off to no end. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, another is uh, Lin Wing. Mm-hmm. Lin Wing co-created Wolverine and Swamp Thing, the aforementioned mm-hmm. Swamp Thing that uh, Dwight and Adrian mm-hmm. were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Wolverine's, you know, Lin Wing is Wolverine's creator. He says he got more money for Bruce Wayne's. Uh, Bruce Wayne's. Lin Wayne says he got more money for Bruce Wayne's buddy Lucius Fox. Right. Uh, than he did for Wolverine from Marvel. Hey. So Lucius so Lucius Fox in the Batman movies that Christopher Nolan directed, he got more compensation for that than he did for Wolverine. How much Wolverine how much has Marvel as a comic company through merchandising, etc., how much money have they made off of Wolverine? Bef- even before you get to the movies and the t- and the cartoon, before any of that, oh. yeah. How much money have they made off of Wolverine, dude? How do you not just break off Lin Wing? Who's the artist who who co created? Uh, was it Herb Trimpy? It was Trimpy. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Trimpy has passed right. away. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. but then you could also say John Romita Junior. Not. <laughs> John Romita Jr. John Romita Senior. 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 Yeah, he took a he actually um did the initial design for that costume, the yellow right. with the blue. Right. Yeah. Right. What's the whiskers show? <laughs> yeah. It actually actually, if you go to Wikipedia, of course Wikipedia is correct because it's Wikipedia. Wikipedia right. does list Ween and Romita Senior as the designers and creators of Wolverine. Ah. Uh, but okay. Gotcha. How do you not give that guy like a hundred G's a year just because? How does he not get mm-hmm. broke off just because? Mm-hmm. You know, he took a picture. Lin Wing took a picture at a convention with Hugh Jackman. Uh huh. You know, Hugh Jackman's mm-hmm. you know like like a foot and a half taller than he is. He's got his arm around him. Right. And he's pointing at Lin Wing. And he's like, you know, thanks Lin Wing for you know for creating this character and changing my career. And Lin Wing's response was, "I was flattered and it was very very nice." But I would have preferred a check. Yeah, that's just what it is. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's and that's just what it is. Yeah. Um, the other yeah. thing that's kind of weird is is they uh, the article uh, the cracked article which I'm going to c- continue to refer to says that the second problem is that the rules for cashing in on your creations, you know, as you make an arrangement with the companies for you know your character going off into other media, he says is full of bullshit. Uh, little imita- little Im- is full of bullshit little imit- uh, limitations. And the companies aren't mm-hmm. shy about exploiting them. For instance, Wolverine appeared in six films before mm-hmm. Ween saw a single cent due to a clause about the movie having to be named exactly after the character. So right. the Wolverine counts as payment. X-Men right. Origins Wolverine does not. You have to, you, you know they, that's why they named the movie like that. You know that's why. Sure. Yeah, sure, yo. Because sure. everybody was yeah, wondering, why yeah. the fuck did they call it this? <laughs> what yeah. the fuck is this? X-Men Origins, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, 
It's wicked, man. It's wicked. It really is. You know, and, and, and you and you ask yourself, like you ask yourself as a creator, why the fuck would I want to work for these guys? You know what I'm saying? Like, why would, why do I fuck want to waste my time putting in my best time and hours in the day, fucking with you fuckers? Because it's because you know I'm sorry, and I say this over. I've said it many times in my previous incarnation. I said in this one as well. You know, if I see one more fucking Wolverine story, it'll be it'll be it'll be wasting my time. I don't need to see one more fucking Batman story. I don't need to see one more fucking Spider Man story. I I I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Look at Adrian. I'm, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I mean, is is is, 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 there, is there room to grow with the character? Sure, there is in the right hands. Sure, it is in the right hands. But the question is, is like, how much more? How much is too much? And how much is really you know, really interesting and engaging anymore beyond what's been said before? What they get over on people is for every every comic book is somebody's first comic book. Every generation Spider-Man is somebody else's generation Spider-Man. Right. So you're constantly able to, so they're able to iterate and change just enough to where it seems interesting to that particular generation, and it works. So I get it. I'm not I'm not I'm not some crazy you know knuckle dragon in that regard, but I I just find from my age and where I've been with these characters. I'm pretty much, I think I've gone as far as I can go with these characters. Now, that being said, and you guys, you know, like brought up last episode or two episodes ago, um, when you're flying solo or flying dolo, um, you know, Dwight is it? Dwight is interested. Dwight is interested in, in Hickman's, Hickman's X-Men. So, you know, I, 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 he reinvigorated the series. He reinvigorated the, 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 all the back matter that made it relevant. And and put it on some one nice little package that makes it work again. So there's possibilities there. Go ahead. So let me ask you this though, D. Within okay. that realm of possibility, has Hickman created any new characters within that series? Yeah. Or has he, he has? Yeah. Yeah. Boldly hmm. so. Boldly so. Okay. But I'm sure. He's, I'm sure. I'm sure that the. I'm sure. Hopefully, he's gonna get broke off for those things too if they go any further than what they are in terms of comics. But he's he's done some stuff that's like, oh wow, oh wow. Okay. Oh wow. That's why this does this, you know. He's 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 made a brand new universe for these guys, made it relevant. It's like if, if Marvel current Marvel is six one six or whatever, you know, this is like six twenty. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like some other kind of other, other kind of parallel, you know. And uh, I, I fully appreciate it and I'm engrossed by it. That being said, I haven't read it in months, so I'm, I'm behind. But you know, be my current situation and whatnot. But yeah, uh, that's my rant. Uh, I I I don't, you know, characters. Or I should say, um, people that uh, create things for people now, um, big, 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 the big two, or anything is big. You really, really guard your contracts. You really need to go your contract with fine tooth comb. Make sure you're getting what you're going to get. Because at any point in time, they can flip on you and make something bigger than what you planned on. Yeah. Anything can hit. Anything can hit. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, look at Jessica Jones. Didn't business create Jessica Jones? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Got a TV show. Might end up in the Marvel MCU proper. Did you get broke off yet? Did you get broke off? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> you know, likely right. so, but um, but um, so also like Denny O'Neill created Rachel Ghoul. Oh, that's you know, right. Uh, co-created Rachel Ghoul, one of my probably my favorite Batman villain, other than mm -hmm. maybe Catwoman. Okay. Created okay. Rachel Ghoul. Um, Marv Wolfman, and we talked a little bit about him as well before we started recording. Here we go, yeah. You know, Marv Wolfman created Cyborg, Raven, Starfire, and Deathstroke of the New Teen Titans, and he created Bullseye over in the Daredevil universe. You know, him creating Blade, 
you know, yeah. from Tomb of Dracula. You know, sure. Gene Colan was drawing it, obviously, so you got to mm-hmm. include Gene Colan in that, but... Yeah. Wolfman, Wolfman went to court. He sued Marvel and right. was like, hey, what's up? Right. And then went to court, and the court said, nah, nah, Mar- Marvel, Marvel got this one. Nah, nah. Deep yeah. wins. The, th- the thing about that, mm-hmm. too, is... Um, if if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Wolfman who said that at the time when he created those characters, he was not working under a work from hire contract. Mm-hmm. That was his that was his his big thing. But you know, any, I know this from the music business. The person who the public thinks made it popular, that's who owns the character. Yeah, that's who owns the that's who wrote the song. Whoever made it popular. That's one. That's why copyrights are great if you have to litigate. But ultimately, what they say is, is get the word out about what it is you're doing, so that you're the one who's known for this. And then when people say, "Well, wait a minute, what about this person over here?" No, no, no. This person was doing this eight years ago. This is who created this. We know this. This is who made it popular, even if it's in a regional sense. But um, yeah, it's like keeping receipts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, also, too, Gene Colan co-created the Falcon. That's right. He was drawing yep. it then. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gene Colan co-created yep. the Falcon. Uh, another character, Jerry Conway. You know, he wrote the storyline for the death of Gwen Stacy, which was featured in the Amazing Spider-Man movie, uh, the second Amazing Spider-Man movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe the Andrew Garfield movies. Exactly, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and he also co-created the Punisher. That's right. Now, granted, the Punisher was a complete rip of, you know, one of those old pulp characters. I forget the name. Which one was it? Matt Bolin. Yeah. Yes, sir. All day. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Matt Bolin. Yes, sir. Thank yes, you sir. for that. Um, the Destroyer. <laughs> but, you know, the Punisher has had a great, you know, two seasons on uh, Netflix. It's yeah. great. A great character in the comics has had endless comics done well after Jerry Conway has long left. Uh, writing comic books as a profession, and the Punisher is probably going to end up. You know, he certainly he ended up in the in the films, but he's probably going to end up in uh, the MCU proper at some point. Yeah, yeah. you know they're gonna, they're going to have to. Um, About time. And then also, I guess last was uh, Gary Friedrich. Oh uh, yeah. You know, he created Ghost Rider. D. Oh okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. I remember in the in that previous iteration we had a whole episode about that at the time. Mm-hmm. And listening back to that, it's kind of cringy because I didn't make the point strong enough. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. <laughs> it's like, dang, we kinda we kinda wrote we kind we were kinda ride or die for that, but right. we but we didn't really have it a concrete, you know, understanding of Statement. what was going on like we do now. Yeah. Well go ahead go ahead and make the point now, uh Adrian. I guess the point now is that I, I absolutely see where he's coming from, you know, and I think back then the difference is, is that uh, I know for myself, I was running more on the passion of the issue, you know, as far as like, like it even affected me to the point to where at the time, this was very long ago, I was doing commissions, you know, of these characters. Mm-hmm. And once that started, once that whole Gary Friedrich thing started, I started writing the copyright at the bottom of my commissions, like no, no, copyright, Marvel, corporated, man, 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 man. You know right. what I'm saying? And again, right. it was that passion just seeping out. Mm. It's, it's so stupid, but um, no, yeah. No. 
You've, you've always been one to get people to the proper do, Adrian. So that, that's not stupid at all, man. You always wanted to be to be to be stand up about about. Okay, this is this is a homage to this 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 particular you know. I mean, even that even that the awesome piece you have of me you did with uh, of uh, of uh, of Snake from uh, Melody Solid. You 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 after Yoji Shinkawa on there, which I which I, I appreciate that you know. So it's like, you know, I mean. There's nothing wrong with standing up for the the person that, that originated the work, and, and and if you're immediately doing immediately doing a homage to them, you know, um, uh, you know, saying that, you know, I think, uh, you know, and there's not enough of that going on actually um, for people that take stuff. Even like you guys alluded to on a couple episodes ago, man, where um, John Byrne at his peak, he was doing multiple multiple series, drawing multiple series, writing multiple series, and he was reusing a lot of shit too. Yeah, <laughs> you <Yeah. know>? like <laughs> like. <laughs> Like that, the whole the whole uh, one thirty seven or one thirty eight, where uh, he's uh, uh, Cyclops is holding 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 Jean Grey, he used that in Action Comics for Superman as well. <laughs> so it was like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, but at the same time, it's it's kind of frowned upon where it's such an easily resource to find, so easily easily sourced the original material. Yeah. So that's getting into another conversation, but um, yeah, man, I I, I just think um, you know, uh. You know, it's it's just a doggy dog business, man. It really is, man. And and for and for one of the things I, that really threw me back going back to Brubaker originally in the in the in the Fat Man Beyond um, uh, interview he did was the fact that he knew people inside the industry in the comic book industry and 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 Marvel proper that were that were secretly laughing at him behind his back because he was not getting his due, and these people call themselves your friends, ultimately. And they're laughing at you behind your back. The fact you're not getting the money you deserve. Right. We talked about this. That's capitalism. Yeah. You know, that's capitalism. That's capitalism that says if you get what you deserve out of life, if you are getting royally fucked, somehow you deserve that because you didn't fight to keep yourself from getting fucked. Mm-hmm. Is this like some, some, kind of, some kind of dark fucking karma, yo? What the fuck? Some kind of dark <laughs> Buddhist bullshit? <laughs> that's the weird thing to me so in our society if some if a bigger person walks up to a smaller person and intimidates them into giving them their money we look at that as being wrong but if a bank who is a which is a large entity goes up to a little person or a let's say a car dealership goes up to a person and they sell them a car and they sell it to them at 20% interest, even though knowing that the person qualifies for 5% interest, we don't consider that bullying. The fact that we did, you know, the fact that they would say, well, this person should have known how to negotiate for themselves better. We don't consider the car dealership a bully or the bank a bully or the corporation to be a bully, but that's bullying. You know, to some extent, that's what it is. And um, and so I just think it's just, you know, as I'm sure you guys do, you know, I think everybody should be an adult and everybody should accept the decisions that they've made. And you have to you have to own them. You have to live by them. But at the same time, like in Brubaker, you know, to bring it back to Brubaker, and I'm probably going to title this episode hashtag pay Brubaker and Epting. But uh, but to go back to Brubaker's point. He's not, I don't, I've never heard him say, oh, they should give me a a separate copyright for the Winter Soldier. Oh, they should, you know, I should, they should share the ownership of Bucky with me because of what I did. That's Mm -hmm. not what he's saying. Mm -hmm. He's just saying, hey, 
Can I get some compensation that's even commensurate to what my investment is in terms of what, you know, the windfall that you all have made? He even talked about uh, Dave Chappelle. I remember I was reading the articles or seeing the articles. I didn't read the articles because I don't give a shit about Dave Chappelle much anymore. But he was talking about Dave Chappelle, you know, when he did Chappelle show, whoever owns the um, the license or the ability to put Chappelle show online on streaming. They don't have to pay Chappelle anymore. Mm-hmm. They can just do it. And Chappelle went on like a forty-five minute rant in one of his uh, one of his uh, stand-ups, stand-up. talking about, hey, you know, they're putting this show online, and I don't make anything from it. This was, you know, this was my thing. This was my baby. This is what I poured my heart and soul into. He and Neil Brennan, his co-creator of the show, you know, they poured, you know, 16, 18 hours a day into the show for however many years, and. They're putting it online and they're streaming it and they're making millions of dollars off of it and I'm not getting anything. And he made a stink about it and whoever that was, I forget who it was, the entity was, I don't think it's Comedy Central. They came back to him and said, hey Dave, we want to try to make this right with you. And they gave him a bunch of money. Now, did they have to? Did they legally have to? No, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Did they do it because as an, as an effort of public goodwill because they were kind of getting shamed? Probably. But that's actually the cool thing about what's going on now with social media, you know, with with Me Too and with, you know, frankly, cancel culture or accountability culture, as a lot of people are, re, are re-ta- rebranding it. But now via social media, everything is out in the open and you can get fucking tarnished. You can get fucking, you know, tarred and feathered if you mistreat people. That, that, that the fans care about. Mm-hmm. So it's we just live in a world now where it's just not that way anymore, and I like that. I like the fact that, okay, yeah, you don't have to necessarily give Brubaker the character, but certainly mm-hmm. pay he and Steve. Give him 100 Gs and say if the, if the Winter Soldier appears in another film or in another whatever, we give you, we'll break you off something else. For every movie and whatever, whatever he appears in, we'll break you off. It's not going to be a ton of money, but you're always going to see something every time this thing appears because of its contribution. Yeah. You know, as long as we make money off of it, you make money off of it. Going back to my original point. That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Sidebar Forever is copyright 2020. Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson.